Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Comedy Podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, music, TV shows, and more. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. And today, Marin is here to sit on another Tori Watch This and Reviewed It uh, episode. <laughs> uh, today, I'm going to be reviewing um, TVN's recently just finished airing Netflix exclusive, Our Blues. Um, Marin, did, did have you heard about our blues? Did yes. You, yes. <laughs> I remember it coming out because the casting was so was big news. Yes. Um, and I was kind of on the fence about watching it, and then I saw clips, and I was like, mm, this is a real little too like based off true life, you know, really giving mm-hmm. like these people's real stories, and I kind of was like, eh. I just decided not to watch it for when I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Our Blues is a story all about this town in Jeju Island, which is the biggest island off the coast of South Korea. Um, and it's just about the people that live there. I uh, My spoiler review is that if you like kind of um, drama that resides around people and relationships between those people i suggest you watch this this isn't like an action-packed um field thriller anything like that there's you know some romance there's family there's lots of family drama there's you know just people kind of how these people it's it's one of those shows that highlights the best and the worst parts of being from a small town Everybody mm-hmm. knows your business. Everybody knows. <laughs> uh, everybody knows your family, your parents, all that stuff. And but at the same time, you're in a community that's, um, for the most part, very loving. Um, it doesn't. It's not like small town murders or anything like that. Um, so if you watch Korean dramas and you want something a little bit new, a little bit more fresh. Um, I highly, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I highly recommend because I don't even have a rating for the show overall. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I recommend it. I think it's, um, mm, not a fun and interesting aren't the words, a pleasant watch. That's the, the word I would use. It's a pleasant watch. It was written by No Hee Kyung. No Hee Kyung is the writer for It's Okay, That's Love, The Winter Wind That Blows, Live, um, so she's known for these kind of, um, she, I like to say that her stories are realistic without being boring and have just enough TV magic. Now, sometimes that shit goes from Mokdong because the winter wind that blows knows that it was, <laughs> it was, it was trying its best, <laughs> um, doing its best 2013 drama. But, um, yeah, I recommend it. Um, I think... You should try the first episode um, and just see if you like it or not. It is 20 episodes long. Um, I do not think that the... I do not think that it's too long, but I do think that some stories were given too much screen time. I will Mm. talk about that as we begin to look at this. Now, I would usually just start from the top and give Mirren a rundown of what's happening and what I like and what I didn't like. I can't do that with the story because then my review wouldn't make sense. So I'm going to start with the story that changed the way I feel about the way the, the other stories were written mm-hmm. and we'll move on from there. So um, each, the way that the drama is set up is that each episode is titled with the two people or the people that we're going to be focusing on. 
each episode and then you get small snippets of other people's storylines in between like those episodes but like the main focus is going to be those people right okay um so the first storyline we're talking to you about is called chungi and ungi um chunny is like um the head henyo do you know what a henyo is she, the 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 female divers oh, okay um i'm from jeju there's like traditional female divers who dive without like um breathing tanks or anything like that um she's played by goldu shim and then ungi is her grandchild so it's about um because um chunny is like this kind of big matriarchal figure within the community you know a lot of people call her mom she's a very um you know caring person she's you know because she's a traditional um hanyal she's like kind of got this and from she was born and raised in jeju there's just like this kind of foundation with her being from the island and like watching everybody else grow up in the series Mm -hmm. and so her story is is that um her husband her like two of her children have all died um she's lived a life very sad life of watching a lot of her loved ones pass away and so her whole story is about the fact that her only living child left um gets into a car accident he's been in a coma for a month and his wife does not want to tell her mother-in-law because she's afraid it's going to like send her into shock or um you know make her have some reaction that could cause her uh health to deteriorate and so in the disguise of he works as like a trucker so he's like away on business trips for long amounts of time so she tells the the daughter-in-law tells her daughter um don't tell grandma that dad's in the hospital i'm gonna go send you to spend two weeks with grandma under the guise that i'm changing into a new job mm-hmm. and so um so grandma doesn't know anything and you get to watch the this this grandmother who's very traditional from this island and this child who's more of like a city child um come together and see how they live together you know things aren't working at first because uh you know grandma's not really fixing food that the child would eat or um you know their communication style is different you know uh chunny the grandmother she's like kind of um she likes to annoy you know how like there's some grandmothers that like annoy mm-hmm. who out of love mm-hmm. it's kind of like doing everything the child asks for her mm-hmm. she you know in, intentionally <laughs> is doing things uh doing and saying not mean things but doing things saying things to get a reaction out of her because she finds her adorable and so it's a fun story but behind this you know funness there's the sadness of knowing that her son is sitting in the hospital and he is basically on life support mm, okay and so while the granddaughter is there in Jeju, she talks about all these things that she wants to do in Jeju because her father um, told her about how her grandmother is, um, you know, that she's the strongest person on the island. She swims with dolphins. She can hold her breath in water for a long time. And she keeps talking about this place where you can see 100 moons. And everybody's telling her, well, your dad's a liar. There's no place with 100 moons. Um, but she's like, no, my dad's not a liar. And so um, basically the truth comes out and grandma goes to, you know, um, the mainland to realize that her son is on his deathbed. She tells her she tells her uh, daughter-in-law to um, to take him off life support. She's like, 
we don't have the money or the means for this. You know, you have to keep living. My granddaughter has to keep living. You know, and it's a very sad moment, right? And so um, the way the story ends is that um, they, you know, the granddaughter keeps saying, I want to see this place with 100 moons. Mm-hmm. And at first you're like, I'm thinking a lake I don't know that's like reflecting and you can see like the moon reflection a hundred times but it's basically when you see the boats on the ocean at night and it looks like a hundred different moons and so when she comes back to Jeju after when the grandmother comes back to Jeju after um seeing her son she they talk even in like the middle like a storm just passed and like the whole island brings out their boats and they um ungi sees all the moons she's like oh my god see look at the moons my dad wasn't a liar and they pray and um the sun recovers her son recovers right it's a cute little little story it's really precious now here's my problem with that (laughs) it's a very it's a very fairy tale like drama like kind of miracle happening Mm -hmm. and up until now this is like around episode i want to say 10 11 12 something like it's late into the story Mm -hmm. so we've gotten all these other stories that are kind of the signature no he kyung realism with a little bit of TV magic. And so when we got to this story, I was like, so this story about a miracle happened, because miracles do happen in real life, right? And I could definitely be overthinking this, and I could definitely be being a little harsh. But I was just like, so this story gets to have this happy miracle ending, but other stories that were much more interesting or whose characters were much more interesting got the the realist the realism treatment and so that's when i started to have problems with the show because i was like it felt out of tone with the rest of that show like this one particular story because i was just like i was i was a hundred percent like oh they're gonna pray but the the man is still gonna die right mm. or he's not gonna recover within this story time because the way they made it happen it was just like they prayed they show um the son in the hospital going through a health crisis and he's better like in the next cut or not like he's out of bed but like he's alive he's off life support and i was just like huh okay (laughs) um all right so the reason why it changed um the biggest reason why my feelings for the story change is because of this next storyline what i'm talking about now the names are similar but you just gotta keep following me okay you might want to look on my drama list (laughs) just to just to just to keep in touch with which characters i'm talking about so next story this is the first storyline this is the first storyline of the first three episodes okay it's cha sung one who plays Choi Han Su and it's Lee Jung Un who plays Jungi. Now, Jungi Jung Un He is this um, you know, up from 4 a.m. down at 9 p.m. business working, owns a bunch of businesses, you know, making her money. She's never been married, single, um, 
Jeju native who gives, 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 gives. And her family takes advantage of her all the time because she has so much money. Her friends, you know, have asked her for money. But she's also a giving and caring person, which I think is her flaw. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second. And then Hansu is this... Um, this he's a bank manager he's a bank manager and there well Hansu is and he's first love now when I saw that these two were going to be in the story together you know I was excited I was like 40 year olds a love story is that what it's kind of giving tell me why the first fucking episode we find out that Hansu is married and has a kid and I was like oh so what the fuck is this story when i say my hopes died within the first 10 (laughs) minutes i was like oh so what the fuck is this story for to be about right because the teasers the trailers were all talking about how he's their first love she's yeah he's her first love all that good stuff right Hmm. so hansu is basically he's raising um a daughter he has a daughter and a wife and they're in america and the daughter is trying to be a pro golfer but it's just not working and they're like on their last limbs they've sold the house they've taken out loans they borrowed from friends um but they don't have any money anymore and hansu's um conflict is that when at first when they started doing this um years ago he said when it started getting hard to you know continue to give money to his daughter to continue her studies he asked her to give up and she said i'd rather die than give up golf and now she's at the point where she's like reached a slump um it's getting hard for them to live in um america because of the rumors and the lack of money and all of that stuff and so and but the dad but hansu doesn't want to give up because he's just like you know what do you know what i've gone through what i've done to get money for you to continue to study when you wanted to and now that you want to give up it's kind of like this thing where he's like um he doesn't want to give up because of all he's done he doesn't want to give up because he didn't get to live out his dreams of being a basketball player and he doesn't want his Uh daughter to give up her dreams so there's like this really complicated story so i'm like oh okay so you basically have a man who is in need of money and a woman who has nothing but money. And so <laughs> talking about this story just makes me angry. Um and so Hansu gets re um he gets not rescheduled. He gets how do I say this? moved to a different bank he gets moved to a yeah. bank in jeju in his hometown to work and that's where he meets any again and that's where you get to see the people on the island and they're like oh hansu's back oh my god and so any sees hansu and she's like she's still like oh my god that's my first love right mm-hmm. they had a cute fucking first love story like they like were in school and they kissed on a trip and he made this like really cool like k-drama confession where it was just like she told her friend um i saw the clip i watched that clip yeah she like she like told her friend she kissed hansu uh and her friend goes to ask him at the basketball court for everybody did you kiss any he's like me kiss you he's like you liked it too and i was like purr Oh, I was it was giving and I'm like for whatever reason they didn't work out but the story continues and it's basically the man literally lies to her and says that he divorced his wife they've been separated 
for seven years and they just kind of in this kind of it's not like a hot burning romantic kind of flirting way Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like this very nonchalant we're definitely flirting we're about to go on a trip together kind of way right Mm -hmm. and so they go on this trip back to the location where they went on the trip when they were kids when they had this kiss and he's doing all these he's showing any attention that she's never gotten from any man or never reciprocated like she did with any other man before right Mm -hmm. um he's you know being a gentleman patching her wounds talking to her like she's a woman it's not love bombing because he does not say i love you i like you all that good stuff but it's definitely like grown people this is something something's happening yeah and so when Uni's friends and Hansu's friends find out that Hansu's in need of money, they try to call Uni and she's like not answering the phone. Um, she's not answering the phone. They get to the hotel uh, and then her friends send her pictures, recent pictures of him and his wife. And so she confronts him and she you know it's this it's this really emotional scene because like it's her realize she's being deceived mm-hmm. it's her realizing that she's being taken advantage of just like everybody else and it's him being you know embarrassed and sorry and then you know he leaves and she her reaction is what really i think really made me upset but uni basically so at first she's like really angry she's like i can't believe i fell for that i can't believe you know it's she was like um falling for this man out of nowhere being taken advantage again but then and maybe i'm just too much of a fire sign (laughs) because she's like so her friends call her and she's like um because they were worried about her and they're like you know you could have gotten taken advantage of they're worried about her and all this stuff she's like y'all have asked me for money too so what the fuck that doesn't make y'all different from him and all that other stuff and i'm like per read they asses to fill sis but then she sends him money anyway and she scolds her friends for being like he came to us as friends we shouldn't be talking shit behind his back and i was sitting here like what <laughs> I was like, okay, but again, Uni's a good person, so maybe this is her flaw, her character flaw. She's just too good and too forgiving um, when it comes to stuff like this. And she, you know, she she gives Hansu the money. The story, their story kind of basically ends with Hansu going to pick up his wife and child from the airport and Uni's, like, left to just go back to her normal life like she was living before even though this man tried to fucking play her. <laughs> they were at a fucking hotel. I was like, you, I can't, right? And so, with that being said, um, the reason why I told you the story about the grandma and her grandchild first, I was like, why did that story get a fairy tale ending? But this story with Uni, because even as the drama continued, no, what really pissed me off, and I think this is why it changed, my feelings about the drama is that to the very end any all the characters you know they all come back at the end the last episode right for like a um 
an athletic competition event against another village, mm-hmm. right? And till the very end, she's still kind of entranced with this man. And I'm sitting here like, what fucking for? Lenny, <laughs> throughout this whole series, has been given this kind of like, she's a great person. Um, she out, out of all the characters, she deserves to be loved. And I'm just sitting here like, so you can make a miracle for a man to get off life support, but you can't make this story be about any finding love for herself, even if it's not with another man. But like, why? Why was that the hook line sinker for her story? Because she has two storylines. This is her. This is her first storyline. Her second storyline is with her best friend, um, Go Miran, who is played by Um Jung Wa. And their whole thing is like, is that Miran is the pretty girl, and Uni was, um, you know the pretty girl's best friend. And so even her friends talk about how you were just a maid from Miran her whole life. And their whole, their whole story was much more interesting because they focused on female relationships and how even, um, how they are extremely close and how he got really tired of being considered Miran, Miran's maid. Mm-hmm. And so the miscommunications that happened between them. And so, I was like, that's a much better storyline. Why did the first... And I'm realizing that... I feel like Nohi Kung wrote that story between Hansu and Lee for the first three episodes to hook people into the story. Mm-hmm. But I was just like... It just made me so upset because why to the very end does she have to be in trance with a man that she'll never fucking get? Like, even at the end, her best friend is just like, when you look at him, just think to yourself... That man's untouchable. He's someone else's man. And I'm like, why? Even, I didn't, there's this thing between her and one of her other guy friends where he's like, um, where they dated, but she didn't want to marry him because he was extremely poor. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I get that financial stability over everything else. Um, But it was just like, you could make a miracle happen for a man who definitely probably shouldn't survive. But you can't give this woman who is working her worked her ass off her entire life a happy ending. Like, why does she have to be um, pining after a man who's already married? And it begged the question to me if the actress was different, would the storyline have been different? Mm. Um, because, like, um, Lee Jong-un and a lot of fantastic actresses who are not um, quote-unquote main female lead romantic material don't get to be in rom-coms or stories where they're like loved unconditionally mm-hmm. and so it was just kind of this very it was this very weird thing that I really did hate um yeah it would have been like with that if Shin Min had been given that role would it have ended the same way or even Um Jung Wa yeah if 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 any was played by Jungwa, would yeah. their stories have been different? So, um, that being said, we can talk more about the other storylines. Um, the next storyline that I had a problem with, I'm talking, I'm telling you all the things I don't like about the drama before I tell you all the things I do like about it. But listen, it makes sense in in the line of of the review, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next storyline is Youngju and Hyun. They are the teen couple in our series. Their fathers are mortal enemies. 
um, even though they were friends at one point. So it's kind of a little Romeo and Juliet. Um, what I was not expecting, maybe I've missed the teaser about them, but um, mm-hmm. they're dating and and Youngju ends up pregnant. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, okay. I wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't, wasn't what was going across my mind, but all right. And so at the beginning of their story, Youngju is, when she finds out she's pregnant, she's like, I'm having an abortion. And I was like, perp, I don't you're like what 17 18 at best having a child right now is probably not the best idea and so um youngju wants to have an abortion no matter what she's like i want to go to seoul i fucking hate jeju i want to get out of here i do not want to spend my life the rest of my life in the city um all this stuff and at first and, and hyun is like but why don't we try to raise the baby it's our baby and things like that and i'm like Hmm, you talking a lot for a man that's not about to be pregnant but i appreciate him being like i will take responsibility but then also respecting whatever decision youngju does and i was like okay cool and so at first um so the story continues they go to get the abortion out of town um youngju hears the heartbeat and she changes her mind now i did not like this at first because i'm like just guilt trip this child into having this baby um but as the conversation continued and their story continued i realized that it was much less about teen pregnancy and more about young jews choice to have the child or not um which was uh, i which i think is a great and an important topic so um her choice to keep the baby after she heard the heartbeat it felt less like guilt tripping as the story continued Uh so she decides to have the baby um they decide that um hyun is gonna drop out of school and work uh while youngju stays in school has the baby and you know goes to college and then hyun will go to college after her so they have a plan which i appreciate the children are not like they're not like everything's just gonna work out they're like no we have a solid plan about what has happened we're gonna take responsibility for this child or take responsibility for our lives even if our parents disown us we just have to beg them to find us a house and we will make the shit work i'm like all right kiddos i still think you're too young but hey if you're gonna we have a plan at the very least i'm behind it okay so the problem is dads, right? Mm-hmm. So the dads, Hoshik and Inguang, we learned from a very early part of the story, um, whenever they meet, they're ready to throw fist. And we're just like, I'm thinking of honestly, when they finally revealed the 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 motivation as to why they fucking hate each other, I was like, men will do anything but go to therapy <laughs> or communicate. Um, but like they're like on site constantly having you know verbal arguments constantly just don't like each other so when their kids come to them and be like hey yo i'm pregnant i'm about to be a parent with the child of your mortal enemy's child (laughs) it's like oh shit's about to blow the fuck up (laughs) um Shit's about to blow the fuck up. And so the backstory behind them not being friends anymore is that Inguan was was a gang is a gangster. Well, was a gangster. He runs a uh Sunday Gukbap place now, but was a gangster. Um and Hoshik was a gambler. He was very 
bad at maintaining money. Um, Hoshik's wife divorced him or died. I don't remember, but Inquan's wife basically ran away. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened is that Inquan was constantly lending money to Hoshik, and he said some very um harsh words under the disguise of tough love which we'll get to in a second which i have a problem with but he basically because hoshik brings youngju with him to ask inkwang for money and then mm-hmm. Inkwang turns to hoshik and basically says do you feel um how the fuck do you sleep at night or something along the lines of that um by making your child beg for money and that finally snapped hoshik out of it Mm-hmm. <laughs> of the gambling and the the depression shit that he was going through, I think. And so from that moment on, Hoshik was like, "Oh, I hate this bitch. I can't stand this man." <laughs> um. So they've been living as mortal enemies since. Uh. That being said, when they find out that they could be potential in laws, they're both like, "Nah, she needs mm-hmm. to get abortion." And Youngju was like, "I'm finna have this fucking baby, and I don't give a fuck what none of y'all say." And I'm like, "Per babe, protect your agency." Um. And and so the storyline is like what you would think about these are two single fathers that are that cannot wrap around or do not want their children to suffer the same pain that they went through as being single parents or you know young parents or things like that. And so at first, of course, there's there's ever see of course they they don't want this to go down. Um, everything kind of blossoms into a overflowing volcano. Um, when the you know the fathers basically realize that they can't, their children are gonna do what they're gonna do, right? Mm-hmm. You either support them or you don't. But they end up supporting them. My problem with this story is that is Inquan. Inquan, um, it's like under the disguise of tough love, Inquan says and does shit that again the fire sign in me. Mm-hmm. could never be friends with this man because he says shit um, when he finds out that Hyun um, got Youngju pregnant he says disgusting shit about her um, mm-hmm. being a whore and seducing his son and all of that shit um, the climax of their story is that uh, he finds out that Youngju left home and she's staying in a motel and he goes to the motel and he basically drags her, not drags her like on the ground, but grabs her by her wrist and it's like, you need to go get an abortion. We need to go get an abortion. Youngju, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for him. We can't, we can't keep doing this. But this man, not only that, he physically abuses Hyun. So when Hyun first said, when when Hyun is like talking back to him, telling him, I'm going to take responsibility, I'm going to marry Youngju, I'm going to be a dad, all this stuff. This man slaps him like four or five times. And I'm sitting here like, I, at first, I was just like, I'm understanding like the verbal anger I can understand. Because mm-hmm. he's like, um, you're really going to ruin your life like this. You're you're young. I mean, they're high schoolers. Like, I get it. Your parents don't want you to make mistakes that they did. They don't want you to um, potentially ruin your lives in their eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And so I can understand him being verbally mad at him. But when he, the physical violence started to happen, I was like, oh, I don't give a fuck what this man says <laughs> anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't justify abusing your children. And mm-hmm. one of my biggest pet peeves in any drama is when abused children are forced to forgive their shitty parents. Mm-hmm. Um, 
especially under the guise of being um a, f- a feline petity like even if your parents beat you black and blue they gave birth to you so you're supposed to love them fuck them fuck them they can all go to hell <laughs> like truly and as the the mother of a single child i also tried to look at the story and be like if i got pregnant as a teenager my mother would be severely disappointed in me um yeah she would be sad she'd be upset she'd be angry and so i was hoshik he's like listening to him having a conversation with young jew i was like okay i'm empathizing with this i get it he doesn't want her to have a hard time um they were so close to like you know being i guess gaining freedom from each other in this kind of life they've been living and so but hoshik when the physical violence got involved in it i was like fuck this man can go to hell mm-hmm. um and so i didn't like the kind of sugar coating that went into this story under the guise that it's supposed to be like inquan was a gangster and his form of love is tough love because he says nasty shit to his friends too um he, he was one of the main people like when miran came to jeju with any mm-hmm. story he was calling any a maid for her and i'm like oh okay it's like <laughs> you know what i'm talking about it's like <laughs> saying shit and like being unapologetic about the shit you're saying, knowing that it could potentially hurt people. Um, he's just, he's an ass. And I don't like the fact that we're just supposed to accept him being an ass because the way that they wrap up him and Hyun's story is that um, he, well, his story is that when he, I guess, fell from being a powerful gangster, um, it ended up causing his mom to die because like he ran across the street and his mom ran after him and got hit by a car and died mm-hmm. and his wife left him and a lot of the conversation that he has with Hyun about becoming a father and stuff like that Inquan says to his son don't trust women when we'll leave you mm-hmm. um, they'll abandon you just like your mom did and he's like let's get something and Hyun says oh I love this part he says Hyun said let's get something straight my mother abandoned you she didn't abandon me she wanted to take me I let her go and I said well my drop <laughs> Mic drop, because and when you hear that when you hear that statement from him and about his mother leaving his father, it makes so much more sense about their relationship. So when the story wraps up of this like crying scene where this where the dad is basically asking Hyun, um, you know, when was I ever? Because Hyun basically boils over and finally hits his father back and saying i've been you know embarrassed and disappointed about you my entire life and so that was triggering for the dad because he promised his mother that he would never be an embarrassment to his own child Mm -hmm. um and they have like this crying hugging scene and i'm just like that's it where's the groveling where's the apologizing the young jew where's all of this other stuff and so i don't like the fact that we just have to accept inquan and his nasty ass remarks and his physical violence for what it was. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I didn't like that part of the story. I didn't like that. And so moving on to abused children <laughs> having to forgive in their shitty parents. We have another story. Um this is Dong Sok, Lee Dong Sok, who's played by Lee Byung Hyun, and um Kang Ok Dong, who is his mother, played by Kim Hae Ja. Again, this cast is fucking insane. The more I read these <laughs> things, I'm like, damn. Um, so this Dong Suk is introduced to the story as, you know, another Jeju native. Um, him and Shimana's story is that, uh, they were in love kind of as children. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then Mina uh, left. She went back to the mainland, and so they hadn't met until like seven years ago, and now they meet again. But um, her whole story is that she's um has depression, and she basically ends up divorcing her husband and then goes through a custody battle with him but she's learning how to cope with her depression and becoming a better person to be a better mother to her son all the while she's falling in love with her childhood love Lee Dong Sok who has extreme mommy issues um the story is that his sister died um she was a hanyeol she was a a diver Mm -hmm. um and then his sister, I don't, I think his sister died and his brother died, but then their father died. And so after the father died, his mother became the mistress of one of his school friends and took care of their sick mother for 15 years and then took care of the father for 10 years. And because she was a mistress, the entire neighborhood knew about it. Um, Dong Sok was constantly getting the shit beat out of him by the the his new stepfather's sons mm-hmm. um he begged his mother to leave and she refused to leave and so because he has this hostility towards his mother about how he was raised um there's a lot of you know anger he doesn't talk to her nicely he's like not being a great son or whatever um and of course the only way <laughs> for reconciliation to occur is that she has cancer um and is dying and so here's the thing when i first saw that i said if they forced this man to forgive his mother i'm going to hate the story even more (laughs) but i think what pissed me off more than anything like that is that every single motherfucking character in this story kept telling dong suk be nice to your mom call her mom this and i'm like if you Bitch, y'all don't even know what the fuck went on. Like, they know it was hard for Dong Sok, but they don't know the details of this shit, mm-hmm. right? And so, for everybody and their mom to be like, I can't believe you're treating her like that. She gave birth to you. She's your mom. And I'm like, once again, emotionally or physically, abused children do not have to forgive their shitty parents. And so, um... On one hand, the story is like when we finally find out the motivations of why the mother did what she did. Um, you know, she believes she can't read. She's um, grew up in an era where, you know, it wasn't necessary for women to learn how to read or things like that. Um, she did it for their survival. She thought no matter what life they're living, no matter what people say, if she can get food on the table for her child three times a day, get him to a good school, nothing else mattered, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's a fl- it's flawed logic but at the same time i get it she was just trying to find a place to survive but when your child begs begs you to leave um i think i feel like you have a responsibility as a parent because what does the three mills have to do with anything if he's getting the shit the shit beat out of him every day mm. that's still a emotionally um and physically abusive environment for him to be in right yeah so with everybody and their mama constantly telling him like um you you know you have to you're you're her son you have to take care of her you're your son and i'm like he has no she didn't take care of him right she didn't 
even if she thought that was the best for him, it wasn't obviously, right? And so that pissed me off more than anything. That being said, when they gave entirely too much screen time to Dong Sook, I don't give a, I didn't give a shit about this band. So for him to be the focus of the last two episodes, um, the last two episodes is basically him and his mom going on a trip. They reconcile to a point, um, and then she dies, and it's just like, okay, uh, I guess he forgave her to some extent, um, which it didn't feel as forced. But at the same time, I think I was more upset about people's re- reaction to Dong Sook than I was between the relationship between him and his mom. Um, mm-hmm. The chemistry between him and Shimina, Lee Byung-hun and Shimina, was mm-hmm. none. Zero. <laughs> Absolutely none. I was like, it was crazy because um, Joe and Sung was offered this role at first. And I was just like, that would have been good to see. Maybe they would have had chemistry. I just think it was a miscast. Mm-hmm. Only Byung Hun's end. I just don't think he fit. He fit the part of Dong Sok and his mother having problems. He did not fit the romantic part with him and Sona. If that made sense. They get together and stay together. Uh, yeah. Okay. She uh, basically he ends up um taking over a house that she was going to build up in Jeju, mm-hmm. and so she. Sh- she's having shared custody with her husband so she still lives in Seoul but they're like they're like dating basically now um but I was just like chemistry on flatline (laughs) there's like it was not giving what it was supposed to give and so their story was extremely boring extremely boring um very much boring um and the last storyline, and my favorite storyline, was between Kim Woo Bin, who plays Park Jung Joon, and Han Ji Min, who plays Lee Young Oak. When I say I miss seeing Woo Bin on screen, it's not, it's an understatement. I can't even call that man fine anymore without that feeling lacking. It was so great to see him on screen again. And he just, he just got into this role so easily. He plays a, a boat captain. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know he's got a nice little tan. He, you know, he's you know, I, I, he's not the big man on campus, but you know, he's like everybody's younger brother. But if fights break out and Jung Jun shows up, there's no uh-huh. more fighting. There's no more fighting. <laughs> he's like, stop fighting. Everybody's like, all right, all right. <laughs> um, and then you have Han Ji Min, who I love to see on screen, um, playing Lee Young Oak, who is kind of like she owns a. Uh, a bar but she also is a hanyo she she's a diver as well and so at first her story their story is about him liking her and people really not liking her and Jeju because she's from the mainland um she's um there's rumors are going around that she has a child and a husband on the mainland because her phone keeps ringing and there's you know she's you know she's a liar and things like that um but you know, he falls in love and he's just like, fuck that. I don't give a fuck what anybody else says. And so they fall in love and she, of course, is just like, um, you know, we're not going to get married. I'm not looking to get married. She goes, uh, you know, they have this like really kind of cute chemistry and the dialogue between the two of them made their characters very specific. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it felt like a really cool, like, late, um, not late 30s, but early 30s romance. And then you bring in the family relationships is that um, Young Oak is a twin and her sister has Down syndrome. And so all those phone calls she is beginning, her risking her life to be a hangul is to make money to continue to find care for her sister. And so that, um, so you, the reason why I love this storyline so much, it was less about Jung Jun's reaction to her sister having Down syndrome and more about the realities of caregivers of disabled people, especially mm-hmm. in South Korea, because um, Young Oak talks about, I think my favorite thing is when after they, uh, well, he meets, uh, what's his sister's name i'm gonna get it wrong youngie youngie is her sister and um he meets her sister she's staying in jeju for a few days while her care facility in seoul because that's where she works at she works at she well that's not what she works at she lives in seoul at a care facility with other adults who also have down syndrome and like they work at a cafe and they have this main caregiver and she's living a great life but of course she misses her sister her only living sibling they're um, they're, well, I guess you could say orphans because their parents died when she was young. Um, and Young Oak stayed with her sister in the care facility until, um, she was of age and then left. And she avoided going to see her sister, not only, at first she was like, oh, she avoided her because she just doesn't want to be a caregiver anymore. And it's like, it's not that, um, they do talk about how stressful it was for Young Oak to take on the responsibility of being her sister's guardian um and how every time every time that she dated a man and they found out her sister had down syndrome they broke up and so when she met mm. when she meets jung Jun, it's she you know it's, it's already preparing herself this wall of we're like we're not gonna be serious we're just gonna have a little fun right um and when he meets of course he's surprised when he sees her sister for the first time but he's like i've never met with somebody with down syndrome i've never been taught how to react around somebody who's disabled so of course i was surprised but he's like the surprise is over now we're not breaking up we're still gonna be together and i'm like fuck yeah park jung jun so he's a great man but um i love the drama for showing the reality of what it means to be a caregiver in south korea they have this great um conversation after they they go out to dinner um they meet some very rude people of course and when they get back to her house young old basically talks about how um it's not like she wanted to send her sister away forever but they couldn't even find housing because the people who own the housing or the apartments don't want somebody who lives with Down syndrome living there and the stigmatism that her sister and her both receive because her sister is disabled. And so I thought it was a great conversation about um, ableism and um, what caregivers have to go through without making um, Youngie feel like, uh, without making the topic feel like it was how do I say this was for show mm-hmm. like it felt very real it didn't feel like it was um it came from a very real place and it didn't feel like it was dramatized too mm-hmm. much if that makes sense yeah and so I love their story they had great chemistry 
I commend the show for actually getting an actress with Down syndrome and not getting an actress who was going to pretend to have Down syndrome. So that was great. Um, it was probably the best part of the entire drama to me. And I just need Kim Mulvin back in a romance drama immediately. He's not going to do it, but it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's fun. They had great chemistry. Uh, it's also funny because Dong Sok, Lee Byun Hun, and Kim Mulvin, for those of you who don't know, FYI, Kim Mulvin and Shim and I are dating in real life. <laughs> so there's, they had this conversation between Lee Dong Sok and, um, Jung Joon, who's Kim Wobin's character, where he asks, he asks um, Dong Sook, is his new girlfriend pretty? And he's like, yeah, she's pretty. And I was like, it took me two seconds. It took me two minutes. I was like, wait a second. They're talking about Shim. <laughs> I was like, huh? And so there's this like, the those kind of funny moments. Um, but yeah, I love their story the most. I think their story was well-crafted. Um, that being said, that's kind of my story. My those are all of the stories that happen. There's another minor story between Jung Jun's little brother who falls in love with another character on the show who's deaf. Um, so you know, there's a you know these boys were raised by good people, and you know they don't uh, look. I don't know at just prettiness. I guess when they date people, so they were. Uh, a great to watch um it was probably my favorite storyline i think this story i can say that i loved the humor in the story uh i felt like um when we talk about small towns um it's either like about murder mystery or things like that and i think it's fun to think of this whole entire village being kind of like this one big extended family in a good way rather than a bad way mm-hmm. um it was fun to see well one as somebody who knows who f- speaks fluent korean it was fun to listen to like the jeju satori because if you listen to any of the clips they're speaking in jeju satori and, and the, that dialect is known in the country for being extremely unique that even people who are native to Korea are just like, huh? <laughs> it's like, if you don't live in Jeju or haven't been around people from that area, it could be hard to decipher, but I thought it was fun. Um, I, uh, did I have a problem with the subs? No, I didn't think I have a problem with the subs or anything like that. Um, I love the humor. I do think it was heartwarming very much, but I do have to say that the tones for the different stories were, um, not the best for me. I do think that a story with an ensemble cast like this can only be written by a veteran writer like No Hee Kyung. Um, I do not know this is going to start a trend in dramas. Mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> um, cause I, or if it does, I hope it's only veteran writers writing it. Cause honestly, for to have like six or seven storylines and to keep everything straight, um, is hard and difficult. Uh, I don't know if I have an over uh, overall rating for the entire drama. I can give you my overall ratings for each individual story, and maybe then I'll have a rating for the overall drama. Okay, so Hansu and Uni, a four out of ten. I only give it a four because it was a great introduction to the world of the show. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, I hate the fact that. And he is kind of made into me this character that forgives everyone. Um, Sona and Dong Sok, a two out of ten. Baby, when I said they had no chemistry, <laughs> I mean that shit from the bottom of my heart. 
<laughs> um, Youngok and Jungjun, nine point five out of ten. I'm only taking five points off because I did want to know more about Jungjun and his life mm-hmm. on Jeju and like why he's everybody's favorite little brother. Um, we didn't get to see a lot about his backstory because it is focused on Youngok, but you know that's fine. Um, Youngjun and Hyun, an eight out of ten. Um, In Kwang and Hoshik, a five out of ten. Miran and Uni a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, Chani and Ungi a 6 out of 10. And then Okdong and Dongsuk a 5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd give the drama like a 7. I don't okay. feel like I wasted my time watching it. Um, I think it was a very interesting kind of break from the normal pattern of dramas that we're so used to in Korea drama land. <laughs> like um, I can understand why No He Kyung wanted to write something different after a decade or two of constantly writing the same format. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the actors were well used. I think the Yunhan was woefully miscast. <laughs> uh, but the rest of the ensemble cast was great. I'm excited to see what they do next, especially the actor who plays Hyun the uh high school dad he mm-hmm. was in hospital playlist oh you know the twins from hospital playlist he's that actor twins. um i know the actor uh yeah Youngjun? Cho Youngjun? Uh-uh. Oh, is that who you're talking about oh uh-uh. never mind oh this is okay man. okay never mind yes oh yes but um Cho Youngjun was also from hospital playlist yes yeah. he was <laughs> <laughs> Yes, oh yeah, was. yeah. I remember the twins. I remember the twins. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, and also, I love the um, actress who played Young Ju. This is my first time seeing her in anything. This mm-hmm. is only like her second role, her second credit. So, I'm interested to see where she's gonna go from here. Um, I need to move in in a romance immediately. Whatever Han Ji Min does next, I'm definitely gonna watch. Uh, what is she doing next? Hmm. And then Lee Jung Un, I think she she did a fantastic job of playing Uni. She was kind of like the glue to a lot of the different stories. And um, but again, I don't like how her story was treated compared to the other stories. Um, I recommend. I recommend. I mean, I don't think it's a, it's a bad watch. I just think I I'm definitely nitpicking <laughs> at um parts of the story, but that's what we do on this podcast. I, but I do think this is one of those shows where you can just turn your brain off and watch it and still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to nitpick it because it had one of my pet peeves in it. So, <laughs> um, seven out of ten for our blues. Uh, I do not know what No He Kung is going to do after this, and I also don't think we'll ever get a cast like this ever again. <laughs> yeah, it's um, to try to get all these people together, but yeah, it was still fun. It was still fun. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say I wasted my time. I think the 20 episodes are worth it. And if there's a story you don't like, you can skip it and not miss context. Isn't that great? I guess the best part about this is that if there's a story you don't like, you could just be like, haha, not going to watch this anymore. Um, so, yeah, uh, I recommend. But, you know, uh, you can form your own opinions. You can come talk to me about our booze on our Discord or a Twitter at commented, or TikTok at commented podcast. 
Um, we are hosting also special announcement. We're going to be hosting um, a Twitter space on Saturday the 18th at um, my Twitter account. Um, but if you follow our commented account, we'll retweet the link. It's fight night with commented. We're going to talk about characters that we would like to uh, rattle in the cage. Uh, and I think it's just going to be a fun little hangout with us um, on the weekend before Father's Day. So come hang out. I think we're doing it at 7. Yeah. 7. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. 7 p.m. June 18th on Twitter. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at commented and make sure you have the notifications on. So when we start the space, you can come join in. Uh, but until next time, I'm Tori. I'm Marin. Bye-bye. Bye.